0: Hello, everybody. This is Zach, and I'm jumping in at the beginning of the show to just say two things, and then I'll be at the end of the show also, but um, this is a little bit of a long episode, so I'll keep it short. Um, I made a boo-boo and stole Nick's microphone, basically. <laughs> when we came back from Vegas, I realized that I still had it, and so when it was time to record, um, we, we kind of had to just go with what we had on hand. So Nick's audio is a little bit tougher than normal but still listenable i think there's still some good stuff here the second thing is the format for these shows is still evolving so on this episode we have charlotte sable uh, we love having charlotte on um we love talking about magic with her and we hope you all do too so that's about it apologies for the little bit of uh sound quality errors but other than that i think the episode's pretty good that's all bye
1: Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, Today, we're going to be continuing a series of retrospectives of older sets where we discuss the main themes, share interesting design stories, and judge these sets on their ability to achieve their goals. So today, we're going to be talking all about alliances, and here to help us break down the set is Charlotte Sable, member of the CAG.
2: Hello. It was good to be back on the show.
1: Yes, really happy to have you here. And, uh, you know, we, we chose this set because you have a personal connection to us. Tell us a little bit about Alliances and what it means to you.
2: Sure. So, I mean, I started playing back uh, just before Fallen Empires was released. But Alliances was the first set I ever collected. I don't remember exactly why I collected it, I just did and I still have that full collected set still in the original binder, still with the original inquest checklist in the binder and (laughs) still technically not sleeved just in the thing that I'm like at this point, a little nervous about taking them out of the binder pages to sleeve them. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's like they've been in there for 20 years. It's fine. Although I have gotten to the point with this set that it's like, look, the cards are meant to be played. If I need one of the cards for a deck, like stuff that's, you know, I think currently I have like three or four cards out of it that I'm having decks, but I have the whole set still. It's just some of it happens to be being played, but.
1: Well, that is awesome. Uh, Well, this is definitely a really interesting set. It, uh, it, it, sort of formed the, the, the capstone of the first block. Um, it got sort of retconned into being uh, a follow up to Ice Age. And uh, it so it, it follows up on some of Ice Age's themes, but it like was trying to do something very different at one point and then got kind of got reskinned and edited the, and like a lot of development. Uh, in order to to fit more with what the previous set was doing. So I guess Mm -hmm. we'll start off by talking about one of the set's mechanics that was borrowed from Ice Age. Uh, This is cumulative upkeep. So for those who aren't familiar with it, cumulative upkeep uh, is an upkeep trigger, and it basically says at the beginning of your upkeep, put an age counter on it and then pay its upkeep cost for each age counter on this permanent. Um, So this is... Uh, often I feel like used as a balancing tool, um, to make it so that like really oppressive effects don't stick around forever. Um, but there's a lot of cumulative upkeep effects in this set that are really interesting. One that kind of stuck out to me was tornado. This is four and a green for an enchantment cumulative upkeep green. And then you can also, um, pay two and a green. To pay three life for each velocity counter on Tornado, destroy target permanent and put a velocity counter on Tornado, usability only once each turn. Uh, so in addition to having the cumulative upkeep counters, which you have to pay a cost, an increase in cost for each time, there's also velocity counters on the card, which you have to pay an increase in cost for each time. And it's, it's repeated per, like permanent destruction of any kind in mono green. So a really yeah. interesting gem uh, from it's also the past. at a
2: really terrible rate. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You pay. You end up paying like eight mana. You pay for eight the first. mana
2: for, for your first. Yeah, <laughs> and then assuming you don't have mana to do it again before your next turn rolls around, you're paying four mana for your second. Mm-hmm. So now you've paid twelve mana to blow up two th- 12 mana and three life to blow up two things. Yeah. Gosh. Um. And then <laughs> if you will want to do a third thing, you're up to you know 15 mana and 9 life. And it's like, you know, the, <laughs> the, the returns diminish quite a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, there are some good cards with cumulative upkeep, but that's often because what they're doing is just so incredibly powerful that it's okay if they only yeah. stick around for like a little time.
2: Like a lot of the color hosers in this set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll
1: get into those shortly, but the color hosers in this are absolutely brutal um yeah (laughs) but uh, let's let's move on to another theme this is slow trips so these are cantrips but they happen at the beginning of the next turns upkeep so for example arcane denial very popular powerful spell Uh, one in the blue for an instant counter-target spell, that spell's controller may draw up to two cards at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep, and then you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Um, So what's interesting about this this mechanic um, is that, like, obviously, if you've played with these things, there tend to be memory issues, because, you know, remembering a trigger that happens on the next turn for a spell you cast on your turn or Mm -hmm. on one turn is often difficult. I believe that like back in the day, it caused a lot of problems for tournaments. And so you might wonder, like, why does it trigger at the beginning of the next turn? Why can't it just happen immediately? And the answer is originally it was immediate. Cantrips just used to happen like when you cast the spell. And the reason that it changed to be delayed by a turn was because of a single card and I'm quoting Morrow here. The delayed aspect of the original cantrips stemmed from the team's fascination with one card, Urza's Bobble. They loved the idea of a card that basically did nothing but replace itself. The problem was that if the text was simply draw a card, Urza's Bobble was broken. It basically would say that the deck limit is 56 cards. So Urza's Bobble stayed as the delayed text. So the delayed cantrip mechanic started off in ice age, it showed up in homelands, alliances, Mirage, visions, then eventually cold snap. Uh, but it's, it's so bizarre to me that like, they were willing to change an entire mechanic across five consecutive new releases, uh, create tournament problems, all this mess for a single card because they loved Urza's Bobble so much like that that is crazy
0: to me <laughs> there's another added thing too where at the time uh, another way they justified this was that they um didn't want set mechanics to overlap but when i say set mechanics they didn't necessarily just mean like cumulative upkeep it also meant like pay to sacrifice this draw card or like cycling or like mm-hmm. anything that multiple cards would have and so cantrip like cast this spell do a thing, draw a card, Mm -hmm. um, was a mechanic in their mind. That was one of the mechanics they had. And they didn't want to repeat cantrip (laughs) as a mechanic across multiple sets in early Magic because they're like, no, 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 whatever set just did that. Ice Ice Age or Legends or something just had cantrips. We can't do cantrips in this set. But slow trips was a way for them to get around that too, where Mm. it wasn't really quote the mechanic of cantrip it was just uh a way to replace itself (laughs) which is so funny to me
2: so it's just totally not a mechanic wait what
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly not a mechanic at all definitely not the same interesting so so yeah that that is definitely um another weird factoid if you look at these early um like pre-invasion magic sets they conserved resources but they didn't know like how or what resources to conserve so instead of like printing can trips in every set they'd be like well we'll put slow trips and then we can put something else in the next set we'll have to figure it out
1: that's pretty interesting um well let's talk about another theme from the set uh and considering that this is a follow-up to ice age it's very strange that this mechanic had so little volume but there were snow cards in Alliances, but there were only four of them. They basically almost... I mean, I mean they almost completely jettisoned the snow mechanic and then kind of just, like, paid it lip service with these this handful of cards. And, like, some of them just, like, barely matter at all. It, it's just... I don't know. It, it makes me wonder why they felt they needed to have it Flavorfully connected to Ice Age if they weren't really going to follow through with the, the main themes or, like, the, the <laughs> most flavorful mechanic from Ice Age?
2: Well, I mean, it's not like there was a ton of snow in Ice Age to begin with. There's only, like, what, 30 cards in Ice Age that interact with snow?
1: Yeah, but to go from, like, 30 to 4 is... Like, like well, yes. why even do it I, at I, all? I,
2: I, I get it. It's not like there's that many bangers in Ice Age, right? Like,
0: <laughs> That's pretty honestly, true. Honestly,
2: snow is more of a downside than an upside in Ice Age a lot of the times.
0: Oh, for yeah. sure.
2: A lot of the stuff is like, host, you know, oh, kill a land. If it's a snow land, something worse happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or like things that have snow covered land walk. I think that ha- was on a couple yeah. of cards in the set. Yeah.
2: There's, what, Legions of Limdul,
1: and... Oh, Rhyme Dryad.
2: Rhyme Dryad, yeah. Those are the only ones printed with it. There's more in Cold Snap. Oh, and then tying two things together, there's the wonderful card, Snowfall, has Cumulative Upkeep, makes mana only usable for Cumulative upkeeps, and lets your Snowlands, your Snow Islands, produce extra mana for Cumulative Upkeep. Like...
1: Yeah, we'll save that one for the, the Ice Age retrospective. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of goofy stuff going on in Ice Age, and you know, it, it makes you wonder why they just didn't completely jettison because the mechanic is, you know, it w at the time it was kind of a failure. So yeah. why continue it? But anyway, they, yeah. they they felt the need to include a few snow cards. Yeah, and, and they like talk more about. Yeah, and and they continued yeah. the tradition of like it not being fully clear whether you wanted to play with snow or not like the, the yeah. most notable snow card in alliances is winter's night which is white red green for enchant world uh, whenever a snow covered land is tapped for mana it produces one additional mana of the same type and so you think oh that's a pretty good reason to play with snow and then you see, and does not untap during its controller's next untap phase. It's was like, oh, yeah. am, I, am I hosing Snow, or am I rewarding Snow? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> like, very very strange card. But do you all want to move on to the next theme? Because this is a spicy one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah let's keep on moving.
1: Uh, Alright, so this is more flavorful than mechanical, but uh, <laughs> this is like the remnant of what Alliances could have been before it got sort of shoehorned into this ice age block. Uh, and that is the gorilla theme. So I've, I've got, I did a little bit of research on this. Uh, well, actually, let me just tell a story. So there's four gorillas in the set, and there's actually a card named soul grail in the set, which is an anagram of gorillas. And the reason is prior to the, the, the set kind of, getting a, a facelift or, or like completely redone flavor. The set was about a, a war involving a race of sentient gorillas. And everyone outside the the people who made the set thought it was extremely silly. Um, and so they actually like protested this crappy flavor by putting gorilla in the title of a ton of cards. Um, so there were things like Gorilla Lightning or Gorilla from Cairo. So uh, they, it was just like R&D kind of revolting against the creative team for this like silly Guerrilla War set. But there's still four gorillas in the set. There's still Soul Grails as a reference to what used to be there. But I actually have a, uh, a quiz if you guys want to do a very brief knowledge check on uh, on gorilla related names from the original alliances set. So uh, I've got a list of cards here and I'm just going to give five questions and we'll see if you guys can connect the playtest name to the final design. Sure. So the uh, so final names we, we've got 15 cards to choose from. Hopefully you can match each one but the first one is going to be Time Machine of the Apes. You can see the list of, of possible cards. You tell me which card on there you think was originally called Time Machine of the Apes.
0: I have a guess I'm going to wait for Charlotte. Because <laughs> there's a lot to go through 15 cards. Yeah. My, and some of them are not very yeah, Okay, I have
2: my guess. Okay, right. go for it.
0: I mean, my, I was going to say
1: diminishing returns.
0: Yeah,
2: same, same, yeah. since it's Time Twister, basically.
1: All right, correct. That's a point for both of you. Woo! Yeah. All right, I'm going to give you another relatively easy one. Uh, which card was playtested as King Kong? Oh, yeah. okay, I think I already know. <laughs> okay, let's hear those answers. Gargantuan right. Gorilla. Yeah, Gargantuan Gorilla. All right, nice. Good job, both of you. Also, uh,
0: one of the four cards to mention snow.
1: Very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's another one: uh, gorilla from Cairo. <laughs> I
2: know the answer to this one.
0: Yeah, gorilla from Cairo. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm assuming it it matches. Well, I'm going to say sustaining spirit. Yes. Yeah, because I'm assuming way. it matches
1: Ollie from Cairo. Pass.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. That's correct. Okay. Right, cool. Three <laughs> points for both of you. We got two more. Let's see if we can. Break this parody. Uh, <laughs> they're they're going to get a little bit harder now. County Gorilla Rezoning Board. Yep. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I, I, I have my gorilla guess.
0: Rezoning board. Okay, give me one second to think about this. Okay, I'm ready. I think Charlotte's yep. more confident, so should I say mine first? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Zach. Okay, is it Thawing Glaciers?
2: Yeah, Thawing Glaciers is my guess as well. Oh,
0: okay, thank God. <laughs> okay. You're... I,
2: mean, I, I don't have any particular knowledge of it. Looking at the list, it could also very well just be School of the Unseen, but I have no idea.
0: I, I, the the dark one I was going to say was going to be a
1: Nature's Wrath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: uh, unfortunately, you're
1: both incorrect. The answer is actually uh, Storm Cauldron. Oh, uh, that was another one. That was the other one. Okay, okay. that's okay. interesting. Yeah, that makes sure. sense though. Uh, what was Gorilla Savings and Loan Association? <laughs> so- <laughs>
0: I'm simply going to say it because it has a wage counter, but
1: Rogue Sky captain? Yeah,
2: same. <laughs> o-
1: okay. Uh, it was actually Thawing Glaciers. No way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I, I disagree uh, but- with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but very good job, both of you. Still uh, three out of five. Very yeah. strong. Oh, obviously, uh,
2: obviously, we need to keep going to break the tie. <laughs> okay, okay. All right.
1: All right. Well, you're right. We'll we'll keep going. There's. Oh man. Uh. I think we've exhausted most of the like the easy ones. Oh no. That's good. That's good. Okay. God. Uh. <laughs> tell me which card was gorilla, 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 gorilla. Stop that.
2: It's force of will.
1: Okay.
0: I was going to say force of will too. <laughs>
1: oh i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry
0: it It was title control oh (laughs) oh to counter target red or green spell that makes sense
2: oh okay that makes sense i thought it was force of will maybe i misheard the original
0: story that's really funny planet of the apes okay i i'm i know what i'm gonna guess
2: yeah me too
0: Maybe I should just not go with my gut, actually. Maybe I should, like... Because obviously I've been wrong every time I do this. So (laughs) I'm going to say School of the Unseen. I'm assuming
1: that that's wrong.
2: I'm going to go with Nature's Wrath.
1: The answer is Nature's Wrath. Very good, Charlotte. You've broken the tie. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) You've won the Alliance's Gorilla Quiz.
0: (laughs) Yay. The Gorilla Champion. (laughs)
1: very very good Uh, I am the gargantuan gorilla wait what? yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah. so as you all can see uh, very very unusual playtest names very weird history behind this set but in addition to having an extremely high concentration of gorillas uh, there's another interesting feature of this set which is the multiple arts for commons Uh, so this is something that um, I believe was also done in Fallen Empires, but they decided to bring it back here. And for all the commons in the set, there's multiple arts, and in some cases that leads to really interesting changes. Like you know, something will be like less a focus on the, for example, less a focus on the deadly insect, less less a close up shot. They might have one that's taken from a longer distance, and you can see like somebody who has succumbed to the deadly insect. Uh, but in some cases, like the art is just, they, they probably had the same art description. Like Agent of Stronghold is just the same guy, but in one of them, he's like crossing his arms, and the other is yeah, yeah. just like holding a staff. Or uh,
2: in some cases, it's a larger piece split into like this old Oh, oh yeah.
1: yeah, great point. Um, but definitely a, an interesting decision. And yeah. it's something that we're certainly seeing. Yeah a lot more of in modern magic, um, although less on the commons, more on like rares and and mythics and premium cards. Uh,
2: Yeah.
1: It's uh, definitely, it was dormant for a long time, but they were hitting upon something, but I think, Mm -hmm. oh, actually, here's a question. Do you think that if they had um, done this with rares rather than commons or like with marquee cards, do you think that it wouldn't have been dropped for like decades of magic's history. Do you think like they would have stumbled upon like booster fun or just like more variants earlier in magic's history?
2: I don't know. I think it's more an issue of like the way that smaller sets like alliances were printed back in the day. They just had the same card multiple times on the sheet and they figured, well, if we're doing that, we might as well have different arts or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like part of the booster fun thing is specifically looking at ways to make things more exciting. And I think part of the problem mm-hmm. with the like fallen empires, alliances, like multiple mm-hmm. commons thing is that like you end up with so many agents of Stromgald, or uh, this is like a, a Soul Devi, Adnates, uh, you know, whatever it's going to be. That mm-hmm. it doesn't feel special, even though there's multiple arts. Yeah, um, Like, who cares that there's two arts for Gorilla Shaman when I have, like, 16 of them? Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember being annoyed by the uh, volume of viscerate armors I had back in yeah. the day. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> totally. So, like, for me, it was like I had too many Feast and Famines, and it, like, was is just a lot of Feast and Famines sitting <laughs> on my counter. I think that's probably what the problem was. That's probably why it took them so long is because when there's two arts, but it's like rarer and you don't get both like in every other booster pack, then it's exciting. But I think it took them a really long time to figure that out. And I think if if they'd kept it going with the commons, they might not have ever gotten there or not in the same way, at least. Yeah.
2: It is interesting though, because sometimes on a very few of them, they'll use the two arts to tell a story. Like I'm specifically yeah. looking at martyrdom. Yeah. Like the first art has a picture of this, like I guess a knight or so or a warrior or something protecting these two people. And yeah, in, in, in the next picture he's been like stabbed killed with his own sword. Yeah. And the other two are like running away.
1: I like that a lot. Yeah, I I just wish that they did interesting things with more of them or all of them. So like telling a story, that's great. Having like being able to have a really wide piece split into multiple cards or Mm -hmm. to like sort of show like an action shot versus a like, you know, just close up. This is the thing. Um, Those are all great uses of this. uh, But like, or like mirrored pairs like Kildor and pride with the one guy in the the day with the Eagle and the woman at night with the bear. But in the cases where it's just like the same artist doing the same figure with kind of uh, facing the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. The lazier ones are, you know, kind of kill it for me.
2: I mean, there there are ones where even though if it's the same sort of idea, just the different looks are cool. Like I've, I've been a, I've always liked, say, the two different arts of casting of bones, Mm -hmm. like one's close up on the hands and the other one's like, you see this hooded guy throwing the bones and it's like, it's cool. But yeah, I mean, a lot of them like say Insidious Bookworms was, you know, yep, there's two very similar things. One just looks zoomed in.
0: Yeah, the zoomed in one always got me too, because if just the one worm zoomed in, they didn't like give it any curves. It's kind of just looks like a stick. And then yeah. it, it took seeing the zoomed out one to see, oh, there's a bunch of worms on these books <laughs> for yeah. me to go. Oh, also okay, it's that's one definitely.
2: worm and it's a card is plural, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is pretty <laughs> I funny. Mean,
2: another, <laughs> another one that was cool that is, does it really well though, is the Phyrexian boon, which is another two piece art.
0: Oh yeah. That one's so good. That so, was a good execution. That's a, sure. that's a Mark Tedden piece, a goopy
1: bubblegum Phyrexian. It's so good. It's
0: that actually <laughs> would be a cool play mat.
1: Oh, yeah, it would. Because yeah. uh, like Phyrexian Boone, for those who aren't familiar with it, uh, it basically gives black creatures plus two plus one and non-black creatures minus one minus two. So yeah. the two arts are showing sort of the two halves of the card. Like one person is getting the the positive aspect, the the buff, and the other is getting the debuff. Uh, yeah. So neat way to show like the execution yeah. of two halves of the card or like a modal kind of a modal design-ish.
2: Yeah. I do also like that this is sort of something they've been coming back to. Mm -hmm. This sort of effect. Like, there's the, uh, what's that one?
1: Oh, like, Gifted Fangs from, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just basically this, but for vampires.
1: Well, we're getting into, honestly, like, one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, weird creature types. So, this set, uh, had a lot of token generators no two token generators uh, as as charlotte pointed out before we started the recording no two token generators make the same kind of token and some of them (laughs) make creature types that appear on no other card in magic uh so in the alliance's set we have things that create splinter tokens and if you're wondering exactly what that is honestly the art for the card that makes it is not very informative We have cards that make Splinter tokens, cards that make Hippo tokens, cards that make Starfish tokens, Survivor tokens, Soldier tokens, Orb tokens, uh, Deserter tokens, Graveborn tokens, Zombie tokens. tokens. Oh Yes, thank you. Uh, And Knight tokens. Obviously, Knight tokens, Zombie tokens, Soldier tokens, those have become mainstays of of Magic. But... There's no other card that makes deserters, no other card that makes orbs, no other card that makes splinters. But honestly, like even the ones that do repeat or some of the ones that do repeat like Graveborn and Survivors are specifically on cards that are trying to call back to alliances. So Varchild calling back to her war riders, you know, that's... that's... uh, Or like um, Sekuwar calling back to Balduvian dead by making Graveborn tokens. Neither of them have become popular... Creature types uh, for certain. So it's 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 interesting that they were playing more with like token creation. That's cool. But clearly there was not much thought for like conservation of creature types or like duration of creature types.
2: What I think is actually really funny is looking at uh, Graveborn literally like one or two sets later in mirage there's tombstone stairwell that makes tomb Spawn tokens
0: oh, which is I know. literally <laughs>
2: just a double uh a, a double uh synonym of graveborn
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know it's so weird that they thought that like i feel like feels like they thought that like all tokens need to be the same size every time you print them or like Every card, yeah. every token named a certain thing has to be the same size every time. Right? Like, I don't know. Well, one thing worth mentioning on Tombstone Stairwell is like in one set later, like Mirage is the very next set after, or yeah. after Alliances. Uh, they had a sense of like, oh, you know what? People like their tribal effects. Maybe we should make our weird tokens count as this creature type. Uh, yeah. rather than just introducing a new creature type that we will never use again. Yeah. So definitely a, a sort of like the, the last set before they really started to think about creature types, and it might be helpful yeah. for that reason.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one of... I think Alliances is kind of the last Wild West set of Magic sort mm-hmm. of thing.
1: Yeah, after this, I believe they, like, pretty much brought set development in-house and stopped having these like, oh, just you make something and then send it to us and then I, our guys will, uh, will massage it into the shape of a magic set. Alright, we, we gotta get moving. Uh, next is one of the... Well, not one of the... It is the most notable cycle in the set and it is the cycle of free spells. Uh, so... Would, uh, and of course the most notable most famous member of the cycle is of course force of will so these are also known as the pitch spells these are cards that could allow you to cast them without paying mana if you exiled a card of the same color from your hand to cast them and some of them also add life riders these tend to be for the most the more powerful effects Um, but this was this was new design technology a a spell with an alternate cost that required no mana.
0: You might not have heard of some of the other uh, members of this cycle. Force of Will is one of the best ones, one of the most uh, yeah. like memorable ones. But the white one was Scars of the Veteran, which is an instant. Uh, it normally costs five, four and a white. And it says, you may exile a white card from your hand rather than pay the spell's mana cost. And it prevents the next seven damage that would be dealt to any target this turn if it's a creature, put a plus zero plus one counter on it for each one damage prevented this way at the beginning of the next end step. so you protect a creature if it survives if if somehow it takes more than seven damage and dies uh, then whoops, but if it doesn't, if it lives, then you put a bunch of toughness counters on it. <laughs> Which Honestly, is...
2: like I've always had a soft spot for this card. It's pretty, pretty neat. I mean, yeah, it makes it better than just damage prevention. It's still yeah. not great, but it's like
0: it's cool. It is cool. I, it's one of those things where I think as we go through the cycle, you'll kind of see that like the cost isn't necessarily wor- the ones we don't remember. It's because the exile cost isn't necessarily worth it. Like exiling a card and sometimes paying some life is just like not always appropriate so um obviously this one compared to force of will like force of will stops you from losing the game so of course i'll pitch a card for that (laughs) but well technically
2: this this can stop you from losing the game too if someone's fireballing you for exacts i guess that's
0: that's true yeah i guess that that is definitely true not quite Uh, as uh universal Mm -hmm. i guess that's i guess that's the the big thing about it blue is force of will and we all know that card can I oh, talk
2: we- about Contagion? I love Contagion. Yeah, of course. Go so Contagion is uh, three black, black, instant. They're all instants. And it is the other one in the cycle that makes you pay a life if you're paying the alternate cost. So you can pay a life and exile black card in your hand. It has you distribute two minus two minus one counters among any yeah. among one <laughs> or two target creatures. So
0: Still, like pretty good i mean you could still get yeah. a two for one off of it oh yeah uh, I I be I, a this,
2: two for two. and and like back in the day creatures were generally a lot smaller so
0: mm-hmm. yeah this this pretty much made it so that like you probably weren't gonna die to combat in the next few turns
2: and like during combat it made you like basically it was a blowout in combat right oh yeah, yeah. Like, you can oh, yeah. totally i just completely win at. this
1: combat and you know i'll happily pitch a card for that for sure
2: and there were a lot of, like, saboteur creatures around at the time, too. So it's like, oh, that has two, you know. I mean, now I can block your zero-power creature and, you know, don't have to worry about the saboteur effect.
1: Speaking of blowouts, can I read this next one? Yeah, yeah. please. Uh, so this next one is Pyrokinesis, four red-red red, for an instant. Uh, you can pitch a red card instead of paying its mana cost. And then it deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures uh so similar to contagion if you just cast this at the right time you can just completely wreck your opponents this one has the potential to be a four for two uh or it can just you know distribute yeah. however you need but another one that's very very powerful yeah um, it's like the
2: only other one to
0: be reprinted, really. So yeah, yeah. It was in a, one of the. It was in Eternal Masters and like Eternal Masters. It was in a dual deck. Yeah, it has sweet new yeah. art,
2: which is good. I mean, nothing against Ron Spencer, but this isn't his best work.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he, hey, he at uh, the time this yeah. is probably one of the better arts in the set. I'll say that. Eh,
0: that's that's debatable. There's there's some pretty heavy hitters. We'll talk more about that, I guess, later. But yeah, it's true. it's pretty crazy um but yeah then there's one more and this one i always forget about because it's so funny it's like pretty (laughs) 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 it's everything we've said about the last few cards but like more underwhelming yeah i guess um and this is bounty of the hunt so this is a five mana instant so three green green uh you may exile a green card from your hand rather than pay the cost and it says distribute three plus one plus one counters among one two or three target creatures for each counter you put on a creature this way, remove a plus one, plus one counter from that creature at the beginning of the next cleanup step. Oh, so you, you get... You know three. a design
1: is good when they reference the cleanup step.
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically it's like put three counters on your creatures, take them off at the end of the turn, like screw with the combat math, but like yeah, just feels pretty bad. <laughs>
2: yeah. And this card has a very interesting uh, history of uh, Rata just because it didn't actually work under the rules for a while. Yeah, right. So like if you actually look at like, say, the Cold Snap theme deck printing, it actually just says target creature gets plus one, plus one, target creature gets plus one, plus one, target creature gets plus one, plus one.
1: one one. It wasn't using counters. Honestly, that design makes way more sense.
2: But, it does, but, you know, then it loses all the plus one, plus one counter interactions, right? Mm-hmm. Like It's because technically they couldn't reference specific counters, but, like, the new version makes a lot of sense, right? It's like, even though it does specifically say on the original printed version, remove the, these counters, but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's a card that technically has no uh, no proper printings. I mean, I guess technically the original printing is the most accurate.
0: Yeah. It just has yeah. old verbiage. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny.
1: Yeah, you got to wonder like why they thought it needed to involve counters cuz at the time there were basically no plus plus one counter synergies.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> counters are cool. But yeah, there was like no way to like use counters for anything
0: or I don't know.
1: Maybe they just hadn't stumbled upon like the ste- the seeds of strength technology yet yeah. and so they had no way to figure out like how to distribute plus three plus three so they just say ah we'll we'll call it counters anyway that that is the pitch card cycle and uh i I did look it up and it is uh the first instance of an alternate cost in magic so very influential uh ended up coming back in a big way in masks block um and then of course influenced uh, a lot of mechanics over the years with that Let's get on to uh, another cycle, and this one is honestly hilarious to me. These are <laughs> these are some of the meanest cards in Magic. Uh, this is the the brutal hoser cycle. I'll just read one off, and I guess you know we'll talk about all of them. Yeah. But God, these are incredibly mean cards. Uh, this one is Tidal control. Okay, cumulative uh, upkeep up, keep two. Uh, you can. Pay two life or two generic. Counter target red or green spell. Any player may activate this ability. And, of course, in Commander, in a 40 life format, like, paying two life is nothing. So, if you have this on the battlefield, you just... Like, like the red and green players cannot play the game of Magic. It is so 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 oppressive uh, yeah, I just want <laughs> I
2: just want put this in a deck and like drop painter servant naming green or red yeah and just watch what happens
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it's, it's like two or so three brutal. turn
2: cycles <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah uh so such a brutal card um yeah but the other ones are on are pretty much on the same level in terms of how yeah, mean they are. Uh,
2: the white one is Royal Decree. It's too white-white for an enchantment with cumulative upkeep of a white. Uh, whenever a Swamp, Mountain, Black Permanent, or Red Permanent becomes tapped, Royal Decree deals one damage to that Permanent's controller, which is not super nice. But honestly, <laughs> this thing is uh, pretty tame compared to some of the other ones.
1: Yeah, uh, god... Uh, here, here's a nice one Omen of Fire this is the red one Oh god! Three, yeah, three red red for an instant return all islands to their owner's hand each player sacrifices a plains or a white permanent for each white permanent they control uh, so in addition to just completely wrecking like the mana base of the blue players uh, <laughs> the white players have to choose between like lands or permanents so just yeah. really really mean
2: uh, uh yeah, the black one is Dystopia. One black, black. Um, you'll upkeep one life and beginning of each player's upkeep, if they have any green or white permanents, they sacrifice a green or white permanent. Again, well, actually on the nicer side, and then the last one is Nature's Wrath. Um, which is four green, green. During upkeep, pay green or sacrifice it. Um whenever Yeah, this one I need the Oracle text on. Yeah. <laughs> um whenever a player puts an Islander blue permanent onto the battlefield, that player sacrifices an islander blue permanent, and whenever a player puts a swamp or black permanent onto the battlefield, that player sacrifices a swamp or black permanent.
1: Yeah, yeah. gnarly. I think
2: this one is probably the meanest of them.
0: Well, I, uh, I do I like that fire is I mean Omen of Fire I, is a one shot though. Fire, this yeah. one this one w-
1: I'd say that, like, this one, because it costs six mana, like, they've been able to get, hopefully they've been able to get most of their lands and permanents onto the board by the time Nature's sure. Wrath rolls around. But, yeah, Omen of Fire is hideous. And then, like, Tidal <laughs> Control, like, is like, yeah. you know, you can have what you have right now, but uh, yeah, it's... Nothing I, more. No more spells I, I, from you. <laughs> I have seen
2: games where someone had nature's wrath and an Urborg in play. And
0: yeah. Just that's pretty early. You yeah. know what's
2: really fun when someone wh- when the blue player played an island and it triggered both abilities?
1: Oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also,
2: this this cycle is not very tightly uh set. We have what? four enchantments three of which have cumulative upkeeps one of which is colored mana one of which is colorless mana and one of which is life uh, the one with the nor- the other one has a normal upkeep cost and then the other one's a sorcery it's like
1: this is what i like hate about cumulative upkeep cuz like it it just shows you that the fact that it's like part of a cycle shows you that they just couldn't be bothered to figure out like what were the right costs or effects it's just okay. This one's kind of weaker, so we're just gonna give it a regular upkeep cost. These ones seem stronger. We're gonna give it a cumulative upkeep cost. Like, just figure it out. Just like play yeah. some <laughs> games. Well, first play some games and figure out if like the game is funner for these cards existing. Yeah. Uh, but fun. then, but even if yeah. you're committing to it, just like learn what you need to learn in order to like appropriately cost this card.
2: Yeah. Also, it feels weird that Omen of Fire doesn't mention blue permanence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Compared yeah. to the
2: rest of the cycle. Although I guess title control is just referencing spells, but still, that's different.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is weird that like Omen of Fire is kind of not quite symmetrical in that way, but whatever, yeah. the blue player is for sure dead, so <laughs> it doesn't, they can keep their permanence. Good luck having no lands. And- yeah. I mean, would
2: you rather they just play Boil instead?
1: <laughs> oh, that's, that, I mean, sure. I guess yeah. It's it's more fair than Boil. I will say the, that. <laughs> the next cycle we're going to be talking about is the cycle of replacement lands. So this is a kind of a loose cycle, but they're all lands that when they come into play, they want you to sack a basic land, or rather the basic land type of that color or sacrifice them uh, and they all have different mana abilities some of them have uh, other activated abilities so i guess we'll just have to go through these one at a time lake of the dead uh, is a land when it enters the battlefield sacrifice a swamp or sacrifice lake of the dead it taps for a single black mana and then you can tap it and sacrifice a swamp to add black 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 to your mana pool so potentially massive acceleration. Um, I do like that. I do like that on some of these. You can sacrifice a tapped land, so it doesn't yeah. feel quite as bad. Well, but, basically,
2: yeah. There's two of them that tap for two mana, and those require you to sacrifice an untapped land. But then they tap for two mana, so you're still
1: not yeah. actually losing mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's go into the. Uh, Let's go to the next one. Do you want to read off another one of these cards?
2: Sure. Uh, there's Kildoran Outpost. Outpost. Um, sacrifice a Plains on ETB or Sacrifice it. And taps for a white. And one in a white and tap. Make a 1-1 one, one white soldier token. Nice and simple. Um, still sees a lot of play in Commander because it's very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Would see a lot more if it could get reprinted. But, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, all of these are on the reserve list. Another one is SolDevi Excavations. This is the blue one. it enters the battlefield, you sacrifice an untapped island or sacrifice SolDevi Excavations. It taps for a colorless and a blue, and then you can pay one and tap it to scry one. And that wasn't a real, originally worded as scry, but it's since been eroded to scry, which is great yeah. because there yeah. are some cards that care about that. Uh, Zach, you want to read off one of these?
0: Yeah. So, Balduvian Trading Post is one of the ones that requires you to sack an untapped mountain when it enters the battlefield, but it taps for one in a red, and it has one tap, deal one damage to target attacking creature. So, um, it's a desert. Yeah, so it's a desert. Um, Except uh, desert is
2: only in the end of combat. So whatever. Yeah,
0: and also <laughs> desert doesn't cost a mana, right? Like, you can just yeah. tap it. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. all these things combined means that it's a pretty weird land i've used this and um i'm, I'm gonna keep talking about sold excavations later in the episode nudge nudge um just because they tap for two which is yeah. uh, not something a lot of lands do all the time so yeah
2: yeah and then the final one is heart of yavamiya uh etb sacket or a forest Taps for a green and taps with no other cost to give target creature plus one plus one until end of turn, which is a very reasonable rate. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I like this cycle. Um, It is weird that it's kind of uh, that it doesn't all work the same, that it is kind of loose in its effects. But you can see the influence of these of like Balduvian trading post and Soledadvy excavations on like Peru uh, that cycle from mm-hmm. from the next block, from Mirage block. And then, of course, that ended up influencing the Bounce Lands in original Ravnica. So yeah. definitely a uh, an influential group of cards. When the
0: like format was getting popular and I was getting introduced to it, these were some of the cards that I, um, I I'm still really high on them. I still play a lot of these cards even now. Um, just because, like I said, there aren't Actually, that many cards, especially when you're in more restrictive color identities like monocolor or two color that make multiple mana on the same permanent yeah. um so yeah i I have played with these a lot, and I've loved them pretty much the entire time I've been playing commander but speaking of of a uh, commander long being being around a long time, there's a uh, one card that just hasn't been power crept out. <laughs> of any format since it's printing and it was printed in alliances you know we just i think we got to bring up the legend itself you know this was the set that storm crow was printed in for the first time
2: it was so powerful it had to be printed twice
0: <laughs> it was so <laughs> powerful once looking left once looking right yeah this is this is the where the meme comes from uh all the way back here if you've ever made a storm crow joke you have alliances to thank for that and um, Sandra Everingham to uh, thank for the first depiction, Stormcrow. You're you're still a still an all timer, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, one of the more powerful cards to come from the set for sure. Yep, yep. With that, I think we're gonna move on to the the commander side of things. So obviously, this set came long, long before Elder Dragon Highlander was ever a format. Um, but it did have some legendary creatures in it, so we're going to briefly cover these cards and see whether they've, well, survived the test of time. Yeah. This first one is Kesa. It is three green green for a two three legendary creature elf. All green creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And I think this design is kind of interesting because I, I don't know for a fact that it was the card that led to future lords being like other creatures, Get plus or minus one or whatever, but it certainly was annoying that like it will always when it's on the battlefield, it will always be a th- a, a power and toughness other than what's printed on the card. Like yeah. you always have to do math when looking at this card. And so I I, I think this may have been like influential in a negative way just because yeah. it's so annoying. Mm-hmm. But what what do you all think of Kesa?
2: Yeah, um, I, I loved Kesa back in the day. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I
0: I've made a Kesa deck at one point in time. She was a mono green commander of mine once.
2: It's clean and
0: simple and,
2: you know, does what it says on the tin, right? Like,
1: also, yeah. the art is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Rebecca Guay certainly nailing this. She loves drawing elves and she did a great job here. Wait, um, is
2: Kesa an elf?
1: She is. She. I, oh I, yeah, that's right. Yet
2: another thing that looks like it should be human that I was disappointed was not for my <laughs> human stack.
1: I know yeah. it's funny. Like normally with these types of cards, I imagine they had to dig into the lore to figure out that she was an elf. Yeah, but you're the there. The ears are not visible on this card, so how you're supposed to interpret that this is an elf just from looking at it? I yeah. have no clue.
0: Yeah, pretty much impossible. But this was also one of the cards that kind of taught me that plus one plus one is not, <laughs> it's not good enough. Yeah, like this was not a a good enough a five mana, uh, anthem as a commander. I w- I kept being like, hmm, I'm just not winning these games.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turning your plant token into a one two is not going to get you there.
0: Yeah. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to talk about some plant tokens soon. Don't you worry. <laughs> Um but yeah this can I talk about this next one cuz this one goes me and me and this boy go go way back Sure what is the next nice uh, commander This is the Lord of Tresserhorn Good so, buddy the good buddy so um you might have heard of this guy Yeah he's the good buddy cuz he's a 10 4 he is a legendary creature zombie for 4 mana one blue black red And when he enters the battlefield You lose two life, sacrifice two creatures, and target opponent draws two cards, but he has regenerate for a black. So (laughs) he's basically this huge beat stick, but you have to get around that drawback. So Lord of Tresserhorn and uh, a friend of ours, friend of the show, um, basically our friend looked at him and went, this is just like a one shot a lot of the time. Like you give him infect, you... You give him like double strike and a power, like he could just kill yeah. you. And uh we were like, Yeah, yeah, you totally can. And then he just made that deck that was just like get Lord of out on the battlefield and one shot you. <laughs> and it was really funny, and at the time did not have that many things. I remember Torpor Orb was printed and he was like, This is the best This is the best thing ever. I'm so happy about this. But um uh now there's there's a decent amount of ways to mitigate <laughs> the etb so uh if you too would like to one-shot your friends your friends and loved ones uh lord of Tressor horn offers that for you um if you are willing to jump through a few hoops <laughs> so <laughs> so that's that's my spiel on the the good buddy here
1: yeah he's a pretty neat one uh Certainly not a ton of Voltron commanders in this color identity, so check them out. Yeah. (laughs) But the last legend here is uh, perhaps the most, uh, well, almost certainly the most influential of the three. Uh, Does anyone want to read this off?
2: Yeah, sure. So it is uh, the the group hug commander itself, Feldegriff, which for those who do not know, is an anagram of Garfield PhD. So it is a... Legendary Creature Feldegriff. It, it costs 1 and Bant, so 1 white, blue, green, or I believe it's templated as green, white, blue now. Anyway. It has 3, ac- it's a 4-4, four, four. it has 3 activated abilities. Uh, green feldegriff gains Trample until end of turn, target opponent creates 1 on Green Hippo Creature token. White feldegriff gains Flying until end of turn, target opponent gains 2 life, and blue return feldegriff to its owner's hand, target opponent may draw a card. So, yeah, this is uh, the original group hug commander. Yeah. It's a giant flying purple hippo. Who doesn't love that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's certainly the most popular commander to come out of the set. It has influenced a lot of future designs, including Canaeus and Tiro of Miletus. Uh, The the whole archetype group hug was spawned because of Fildegryph. Very, very interesting and influential card. Uh, despite being, like, goofy and not particularly strong, uh, it's it certainly made its mark on the Commander format and the game as a whole. And
0: also just that, what's not to love about that face, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just look at that little, those little cheeks right there and those little wings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So let's uh, talk about cards that have made Commander what it is, I guess.
1: Sure. Uh, so the first one here, uh, we have mentioned it before in this episode, but this is Arcane Denial uh, in many, many decks on EDH Rec. This is a counterspell for two mana that allows the spell you're counterings controller to draw two cards at the beginning of the next turn and you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn. So the fact that it replaces itself, the fact that it costs only two mana and one of which is generic, um, there aren't that many options for, for two mana counterspells. Certainly, very few options for counter spells this cheap that replace themselves. Uh, it just does, also oh. it sort
2: of lightens the blow by like here have some cards.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. What even if your like game ending spell is being countered, you don't feel too bad. It doesn't draw as much ire as other counter spells. Um, Sorry, I burned down your spell. Here's some cards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but this card is currently seeing play in over seventy thousand decks on EDH rec uh so an enormous number of decks it's been reprinted into the ground uh many 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 times and it's just a clean well not clean uh it's it's a powerful efficient counter spell and that's the kind of card that certainly sees a lot of play in commander
0: it turns out that giving someone two cards or uh it's not quite as bad as dying you know so mm-hmm. yeah Turns out that, especially in, in color identities that don't just have maybe, maybe multiple colors or something like that, so you don't always have two blue uh, easily available. This is this is good. This is fine. And then, like you you both said, this kind of mitigates the feel bad. This next one though, <laughs> this next one though is uh, is pretty savage. So this is we've talked about it before, but it is force of will. So. Uh, the OG, the five mana counter spell. Just kidding. It's a card in life format, defining in other formats. Still good in Commander. It's just crazy good card. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what we need to say about it that hasn't already been said. You know,
1: definitely one of those crossovers between other constructed formats and Commander. It, it is just so good at giving you the ability to interact even when you've spent all your mana for the turn and. You know, the fact that you just don't ever have to cast it, but that you can is, of course, just incredibly powerful. You're, you're, uh, I'm wasting time by talking about it. You all know that Force of Will is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So the next one is
1: Limdool's Vault, which is a an instant for a
2: blue and a black. Uh, it says, look at the top five cards of your library. As many times as you choose, you may pay one life. Put those cards on the bottom of your library in any order. And then look at the top five cards of your library. Then shuffle and put the last cards you looked at this way on top in any order. So to simplify it, because a lot of people like look at this card and go like, huh? Basically, you look at your top five cards. If you want to keep those cards on top, you stop. Otherwise, you pay a life, put them on the bottom, and then look at the next five. Once you Once you have a set of five that you like and you're done paying life, you shuffle everything but those five, and then you put those five back on top in the order of your choice. It's a really, really strong card. Sees a ton of play in CEDH. It's just mm-hmm. a very useful card. If you're not playing it in your blue-black decks, you probably should be, because it's a sweet card. Um, it is creeping up in price a bit. It does need another reprint. but
0: Yeah, isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the Vampiric Tutor we have at home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So the one thing I dislike about this card is just how incredibly long it takes to resolve like going through your library five cards at a time is mm-hmm. uh, is you know one hell of a loading screen it just prevents yeah. play when you use it yeah. uh, but it's certainly strong
2: yeah uh, this card also is in twenty thousand three hundred and eighty seven decks according to EDH, rec.
1: With, yeah, it's pretty considerable, especially considering, uh, given that it's two colors in its identity. All right, uh, we've moved past the commander staples, and now we're going to get into some pet cards. So these are just our cards from the set that we personally love to play with. Um, uh, if you don't mind, I'll I'll start first. I've only got a couple here. Yeah, I love Krovic and Horror. Caprican horror is a two, two or three in a black. It's a creature horror. And at the beginning of each end step, if it's in your graveyard with a creature card directly above it, uh, you can return it to your hand. Oh, sorry. It's a spirit horror. that's important. Uh, and so essentially like it can regrow itself. It does make you care about graveyard order. So that's fun. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And while it's on the battlefield, you can pay one and sacrifice a creature to have it deal one damage to target creature or player.
0: This is Nick's pet card. <laughs> like this isn't just like a card that Nick enjoys. This is like the card that Nick will play <laughs> with. Like to to the detriment of any other strategy going on. He loves
1: Kravik and horror.
2: It certainly was one of the early cards that made me like think about how can I like abuse this?
1: <laughs> uh, I certainly gave it a lot of abuse in my old Iname Death Aspect deck because the spirit you can dump it directly into your graveyard, and you can of course like put your other spirits on top of it, so you just get it back to your hand immediately. Um, that yeah. deck also had like Blood gas and Nether Trader, so it had a lot of Sack fodder, and then I would run like Death Touch equipment and slap it on the horror. So it's like. I sack my blood gas to have Corvikin Horror deal one death touch damage to your creature. I play a land. I get my blood gas back, Just like incredibly annoying and <laughs> oppressive um, and pretty easy to assemble. I, I don't think I could pull it off that easily in modern commander because it is like kind of slow and, and dirty. Mm-hmm. But at the time, back in like, you know, 2010, 2011 magic, uh, it was a lot of fun and Elicited a lot of groans for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It was good there, but I, I've seen it do good things in other decks too. So I, I, I do think this is a card people should still kind of take note of, just because it regrows itself. Like, yeah, it's kind of a pain in the butt to care about graveyard order, but like, yeah, it's not not that much.
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Um. Also, like, Krovakian Horror is a bit less bad than some other graveyard order cards because. At least it only cares about your graveyard's order, so you don't have to force your opponents to play with perfect graveyard order sort of thing.
1: Oh, yeah. It's really annoying to have to police other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, Charlotte, do you want to share one of your pet cards? Yeah, sure. So uh,
2: one card that it's not a particularly good card but it's one of the cards that I remember back in the day, just being like really evocative and really cool. It's ritual of the machine. Um, It is a sorcery for two black black as an additional cost to cast it, uh, sacrifice a creature and it gains, you gain control of target, non artifact, non black creature. So it's not an aura. I think this might've been the first spell that just took control of a creature without an aura in magic, but I'm not sure. And it's like, it's cool. It was black doing something it didn't do. It had its really cool art. The flavor is really neat. Um, again, it's not particularly good. If you were interested in doing this, there's better and more reusable ways to do it, such as like Helm of Possession. It's still a cool card, and I still really like it. And if I ever built like a Phyrexian deck, I'd probably slot it in there.
1: Oh yeah, the like Phyrexian flavor of this card is like so on point.
2: That's all. Basically, yeah. all I have to say. That one's just like that one's just a nostalgia pick for me. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't recommend playing it unless you're already like all in on that sort
0: of effect. But yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that card too. Though, like I'm actually when I saw that you picked it, I was like, oh, I can't pick this card anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. my first card is going to be a this. This is definitely a pet card of mine. It is Varchild's War Riders. And so I have a lot to say about this card in particular. So um, not specifically because of what it does or anything like that, mm-hmm. but because for some reason, this card just keeps fitting into decks that I have. <laughs> and I like yeah. couldn't tell you why that keeps being the case. But um, at one point in time, uh, so mm-hmm. a lot of these cards just have stories. I had a don't, Stonebrow. A Stonebrow deck, and Stonebrow is a four-four trampler for five mana, three red green. Whenever a creature with trample you control attacks, you can give it plus two plus two until end of turn. And I was like, "Hmm, that's like not really that much." And then my friend was like, "Well, what if all the creatures in the deck were like uh Yavamaya elites, which are one-one with tramples? Um, because then they would be getting a two hundred percent increase in their power and toughness." <laughs> And I was like, dang, I wonder if there's enough one and two mana, maybe three mana cards with Trample to make that happen, where I could just charge a board. Badger! Exactly. Charging Badger, a bunch of stuff like that. And it turns out there were, and one of the best ones in the deck was Varchild's War Riders, because it turned out giving them one didn't matter when I was attacking with the 5-6, uh, like on the next turn, or the ter- two turns later, or whatever. I later on played it in my Varchild, uh, actual Varchild deck, but this is just a card that has had a, a place in my heart. It's uh, To read off the card, It is uh, Vartal's War Riders is a 3-4 for four, 2 mana, 1 and a red. Uh, it has Trample, Rampage 1, which is for each creature blocking it past the first. It gets plus 1, plus 1. <laughs> and then Cumulative Upkeep, put a 1-1 one, one red survivor creature token into play under an opponent's control. So, um, pretty silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Varchild's
2: War Rider used to be a lot more fun before they changed the rules on token ownership. And then you could just brand back all the survivors. Yeah, you
1: could definitely. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, Yeah. all right, I'll I'll go next. Uh, My next card is a pretty simple one. It is Shield Sphere. Uh, So it's a zero mana, zero six artifact creature wall with defender, and whenever it blocks, put a minus zero, minus one counter on it. So by virtue of being a zero-mana artifact and a zero-mana creature, uh, this card just slots into a lot of places. It works really well in, say, like, Teshar combos. Uh, of course, you're playing it in, like, your driver list. You can. There's just a lot of things you can do with it. Um, it also is amazing if you have some sort of Big Butts Matter list, like Arcadius yeah. the Strategist or Doran Siege Tower. Actually, uh, just- I was just thinking I should
2: maybe slot this into my Phoenix deck.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, it's an all-star in Phoenix, for sure. Um, So, it's it's just a really unique card in a lot of ways, and it fits into a lot of strange strategies, so I'm a huge fan of Shieldspear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, Charlotte, what's your next one?
2: Uh, My next card is a card with a lot of text (laughs) and amazing art that still stands up. This is Limduel's Paladin. Limduel is apparently a very cool guy who I'm a fan of. Um... Although his own card is not great. Anyway, Limduel's Paladin is a 0-3 Human Knight for two black and a red. Doesn't sound very impressive, I know. It has Trample with that zero power, which is great. Uh, At the beginning of your upkeep, you may discard a card. If you don't, sacrifice Limduel's Paladin and draw a card. Then whenever Limduel's Paladin becomes blocked, it gets plus 6 plus 3 until end of turn. And then whenever Blimduel's Paladin attacks and isn't blocked, it assigns no combat damage this turn and defending player loses 4 life. So, it's really weird. It's a very strange card, but it's really cool. And you can do some fun things with it. I've played it in my Alesha list at various points. And, like, you can bring it back with Alesha and then, like, not pay the upkeep and then get a free card and then bring it back again on that turn. It's a sweet little thing. It does. I don't know. It just does some interesting things the way it works. It's one of those cards that makes more sense versus Mm. the number of words it takes to explain it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why they couldn't just print it as a six six. But I mean, Alesha is thankful. So,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to
2: not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's another card that I have a lot of nostalgia for, but it just it works Interesting way in interesting ways
0: and it has great art and it does a cool thing. So
1: all right, Zach, what's your next one?
0: Yeah, my next two are gonna be pretty quick. So um this is one that uh I think people they're they're cheap, they're commons, they can be reprinted, so let's make sure Wizards reprints them. This is Soul Adnate. This is a one yeah. two human cleric for one in a black, and they have just an activated ability. They have tap. Sacrifice a black or artifact creature to add an amount of black mana um, equal to that creature's mana value. So, sack a like three mana creature, you tap, sack it, get three black. Um, it's just a cool sack outlet, slash, mana, like generator. Um, it does a lot for the decks that I've been able to put it into, and I, I still put it into decks. It's in uh, Sir Conrad um, just because it can do so much so this is one that if you weren't aware of uh, i would recommend it's pretty cool
1: yeah. all right but, uh yeah. last one from me is going to be uh phyrexian devourer and i am gonna have to pull up the Oracle, <laughs> this Oracle one. Deck. Uh, so this is six mana for a one one artifact creature construct whenever its power is seven or greater sacrifice it Exile the top card of your library. Put X plus 1 plus 1 counters on Phyrexian Devourer where X is the exiled card's mana value. So this is a neat card because it gives you the ability to mill your entire library because whenever the the ability triggers the when Phyrexian Devourer's power is 7 or greater, you can just use the activated ability in response and continue milling yourself. Uh, It also is notable that if you can get both this and like a triskelion or a walking ballista in your graveyard and a, um, and a necrotic ooze on the battlefield, then you can be removing the counters to ping things also in response to the power seven or greater trigger. Uh, so you can just do, I mean, it's a really strange card, a really neat combo piece. And, uh, unfortunately it is on the reserve list, but, um, just a, a neat card from back in the day. And certainly one of the more notable Phyrexians now that we've gotten that errata.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely cool. Such a weird effect.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, Charlotte, what's your next one?
0: My next one
2: is... card called Misfortune. This is actually There's actually three cards in the set with similar sort of ideas where an opponent chooses one of two options when you cast it. Uh but this one is my favorite just cuz it's like the cleanest execution. So Misfortune is a sorcery for one uh black red green. So target opponent chooses one. Either you put a 1/1 counter on each creature you control and gain four life or that pl- or you put a -1/-1 minus one, minus one counter on each creature that target opponent controls and Misfortune deals four damage to that player. Which is like, fun! It's nice, it's balanced, you know, up or down, basically, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> How do you
2: want it? And it's just, it's a cool choice, and I, you know, I mean, giving your opponent's choices is never particularly, you know, great, but it's fun.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing this card a lot when, um, like, we had started playing, because it, it kind of does, like, there are situations where it just kind of does ruin somebody's day pretty hard.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, so, well, i've
0: always appreciated it for that
2: yeah yeah the other uh one of the cards that uh, one of the opponent chooses cards that's just bad but the other one that's really neat is a uh, fatal lore which is a two black black sorcery where the opponent chooses either you draw three cards or you get to destroy two creatures that player just controls and they draw the three cards I don't know. I mean, it's it's a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Fatal lore is fun, but it's. I think it's a little more risky than misfortune. Misfortune is at least you get the same sort of relative
0: effect. No yeah, matter no what. matter what happens. No, that's cool. I I like misfortune, and I I've liked the um, I've talked about like making budget decks with um, with that card before the yeah. fatal lore, just yeah. because it still works <laughs> it still yeah. does what it says um do you want me to get in mine's gonna be really quick because we already talked yeah. about it um so this is soul debbie excavations so this is uh the one you when it etb you sack an untapped island uh, it taps for one in a blue and it has one tap scry um or scry one i still play with this card like i said um this has been a pet card of mine for a long time uh, making two mana is really cool i played it in decks from like derevi to uh mono blue Ixidor, like morphs to um yeah uh, uh just a bunch of things things with land auras things that untap lands or or just like as a way to like keep your land count low in a white blue deck or something like that so i love this card and i think it. Does a lot, especially now with the infrastructure we're getting for white. So that's it. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Um Nick has done, but you had a, another one, right? Yeah. 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 Uh,
2: this was uh this is a card that I think more people should actually be taking a look at. Uh mm-hmm. it's a bestial fury. It's an aura.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh it's an aura with enchanted creature. Um it costs two in a red, and it's a slow trip, so you draw a card on the next upkeep after it ETBs. And if it, whenever enchanted creature becomes blocked, it gets plus four, plus zero against gets trample until end of turn. Um, I originally played this card in my very first commander deck, which was Earl the Miststalker. Mm-hmm. And, like, this card just does everything you want a red aura to do, right? It gives, <laughs> it replaces itself, and if your creature is blocked, it gets more power and gets trample, like... It's a pretty good, you know, example of like, hey, don't block me, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know. I think it's a really decent card. It's cheap. Yeah. It has two different arts. Like, I don't know. It's it's a very cool card. It's one of those ones that people like. And also because it's like a trigger, people tend to forget about it until it's like too late and it matters too much at the moment.
0: Yeah. A lot yeah, of people will funny. be
2: like, how, how big is your commander? Okay. And then they do the math for that and then it's like yep this triggers ah <laughs> i don't know but i think <laughs> it's just a cool card and i think there's probably more decks out there that would want it than are currently playing it
0: yeah no i i think that i mean definitely in the in the age that we live in now like these kind of like little cutesy things that kind of do what you need like yeah. If you're not playing C E D H like you're there's a lot of cards available to you that do what you need and there's something that might do that for somebody. Yeah.
2: I mean it's by no means gonna be the all-star of your deck, but like it deserves to be more than the hundred and fifty four decks it's in on EDH track. Like
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so now I I have my spiel, so I actually have a story about this. Um so my last card is Spiny Starfish. So a friend of the show, Alex Whiteclay and me, were uh, sitting waiting for a, a bus or something one time when we were in college. And we random carded on Gatherer into Spiny Starfish. And he said, dude, you know what we should do? We should make a Spiny Starfish tribute deck. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, you know, we look at Spiny Starfish and we build a deck based on what it does. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. And he's like, yeah, so ancient silverback is okay because it has regenerate for one. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of funny. Um, and then we kept going and we kept going and we kept going. And um, let me read off Spiny Starfish. So everyone knows the source material. It's a zero one uh, fish creature for three mana, two and a blue. It has starfish blue creature.
1: Oh, is they they it add, a starfish? Added the, star, added the starfish creature type. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is very funny. So it is a starfish creature. Um, And it has blue regenerate. And then it has at the end of any turn in which Spiny Starfish regenerated, put a starfish token into play for each time it regenerated that turn. They are zero one blue creatures. So uh, our deck, we just basically ended up with a blue green deck. And so like um, we had birds of paradise because they're zero ones. To like ramp out stuff, Somberwald Sages, which were zero ones, because uh Avacyn Restored had just come out. Um we had uh, <laughs> Avenger of Zendikar because it makes a bunch of zero ones, which is in the theme of Spiny Starfish. We had uh borrowing uh what is it, borrowing 100,000 arrows because it costs two and a blue as like a way to draw cards. Like <laughs> if, if <I'm laughs>
1: we just ended up with this like and-
0: sixty card casual
1: yeah. Look, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but uh, the, the entire point of your tribute deck was that it was all about Spiny Starfish, but it didn't actually have Spiny Starfish, right? Yes, exactly.
0: There is no Spiny Starfish in this deck, exactly. So it's all did, cards did, that did vaguely the deck, referenced it.
2: Did the deck play Wall of Kelp?
0: Uh, it did play Wall of Kelp, I'm pretty sure. Um, I can't remember what the exact deck list is now. I just remember, like, a few cards. But um, we we made it, we left, and we, we made a few other tribute decks throughout the years. Well, before Commander, of just, like, casual 60-card decks where it would be like, oh, this is my, um, I don't know, my Boros Reckoner deck, but there's no Boros Reckoner in it or something it just, like it, that.
2: It just has Spite Mare in it instead. Yeah. <laughs> Spite <laughs> Mare,
0: Mog <laughs> Fanatic, whatever, yeah. Uh, Mog Maniac. Um, So yeah, that's my, that's my story about spiny starfish. It'll always have a place in my heart for that one afternoon.
2: (laughs) Also, it's a card that whose trigger is very confusing because a lot of people won't understand exactly think, Oh, I'll just pump, you know, seven blue in and get seven starfish. And like, no, that's not how it works.
1: Yeah.
0: It only regenerated once.
1: Yeah. Uh, skeleton scavengers is like the card. I always look to 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 like teach people this rule. Um, that, that's the one that like pay one for each plus one counter on it. You can regenerate it. And when it regenerates this way, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Um, like the fact that but like if regeneration meant just. Or, or like if red regeneration wasn't a separate thing that needed to trigger, it wouldn't be worded yeah. as a separate trigger in that ability.
0: Yeah. But
1: yeah, definitely a, a confusing part of the rules for folks who weren't playing at the time.
2: Yeah,
0: but I guess that that kind of closes it up. I'm pretty sure that's all the cards we wanted to talk about. Well, let's get into kind of general lessons. So like looking at design and how design for the set went and how design is now. What lessons do you think modern designers can learn from alliances now?
2: I think that they should take the idea of using multiple arts to help tell the story on the Mm -hmm. same card.
1: i I like that a lot um yeah definitely something that wasn't present at the time uh i think like these days it might be executed with like multiple arts across cards but um yeah definitely an innovation at the time to like represent moments in a story across Mm -hmm. cards so
2: I mean, but imagine if, say, even just for, like, story spotlight cards, there were, like, two or three different versions of, like, the ones that are common or uncommon, mm-hmm. right? So that you could really sort of, as you see them, you can really sort of get an idea of how that moment is playing out, right? Like, yeah, especially, if, they're, especially if there's some sort of, you know, like, this is, you know one of three or whatever, right? Like, yeah. I don't know.
1: Something like that. Yeah. Um Let's see. Uh I'd say my biggest lesson to take away from this set, and, and this is maybe more of a lesson for Ice Age, but no single card is worth a mechanic. You can't just make your entire mechanic worse and more confusing because you really like <laughs> One yeah. card like that is insane yeah. design. I know this would never happen in in Wizards like these days, but uh that's the craziest behind the scenes story I've ever heard. Yeah, on, yeah. On Magic at least. Uh, Zach, um, any any lessons you you could think of?
0: Um, I think that the the biggest thing is to like really take a look and see like. Am is the thing that I am doing right now, like right here, is that like serving the set or should I start over? Because even like authors have to start over, you know, like even yeah. authors will will take a step back and look and go, mm, OK, this is kind of messy I I, I should kind of realign things, maybe start in an earlier step and see what happens. Yeah. As
2: uh as the folks at Drawfy, a fine YouTube channel would say, delete your art. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, like we we all here love this set, and we're all talking about it from a place of like fondness. But um, I think that they could have done an alliances that was kind of a little bit more honed in. Yeah.
2: Um Although to wh- be fair, like flavor wise, and like like just tonally looking at the art, I feel like it's a pre- very cohesive looking set. Yeah. Everything feels like it belongs, right? Mm -hmm. Everything feels like it's in the same world.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mind you,
2: this is before they'd gone to a different world, but still. Although, I guess, technically Arabian Nights, but whatever.
0: Yeah. But I guess let's keep on moving. That's a good point. What do you think is the lasting legacy of the set? Hmm. Alternate costs. Alternate costs, yeah.
1: That's a great one. Um,. But yeah, that's probably the biggest mechanical influence from this set. I'd say like, well, in in a way like, Cold Snap couldn't have happened without alliances. Or, or actually, here, here I've got a better answer. Um, the block structure. Like this is the first attempt to make a sequel to a previous set. Um, And yeah, it was like kind of shoehorned and yeah, like homelands made no sense in the middle, but this was like an evolution. This was like a rough draft of what they would later, uh, do a pretty good job of in mirage block. So I'd say like making multiple sets that are connected and set in the same place and time. Uh, That's got to be the biggest influence of Alliances. Yeah, that's fair.
0: So what do you think is the greatest strength of Alliances?
1: I think it introduced some good artists. Um, I I think that this is like, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I think this is like right before the art started getting like actually pretty good. Um, and yeah. you can sort of see, like, the influence in this set of, like, Rebecca Guay making some good stuff, uh, Scott Kirshner, yeah. uh Therese Nielsen. Like, yeah. they are bringing on artists who would later become iconic and yeah. s- slowly, like, upgrading their roster of artists.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's actually interesting. I was clicking through as we were talking on just to see... And this set seems like a very, like a crux point in early magic art wise. Mm-hmm, there's a yeah. lot of artists where this was one of their last sets or their last sets. Like this was like the last set for Sandra Everingham, for yeah. example. But yeah, yeah like honestly, like fun. I mean, to me, the I don't know, to me, the iconic art of this set that's seared into my brain forever is the art for pillage like mm-hmm.
1: that art is just too good yeah the and i i will say um another artist whose last set was this one uh amy weber mm-hmm. A- amy oh, weber yeah. of uh of like celestial prism infamy um this is after this they've rotated her out and brought on some new artists so yeah um definitely uh an era of change for the look of magic and yeah um in a lot of ways, alliances is sort of like a prototype for what would come later
0: yeah yeah I do want to sh- shout out to uh susan van camp elvish bard uh yeah, she's just just killing it <laughs> all those uh gift of the woods you know there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of good susan Van camp art in this set, so uh if you don't know susan yeah. van camp definitely <laughs> check out those cards you will not forget it ever. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. is well, was this
1: Susan Camp's Oh no, she did later stuff as well. Okay,
0: no, she kept doing some more stuff. Yeah, but it was one of her first sets, I'm pretty sure. Um,
2: uh, well, how... no, she was doing stuff back in Legends. Looks like did she, she do was... stuff in Legends? She did stuff in yeah. Arabian Nights too. Yeah, she was uh, in okay. doing art from Arabian Nights through Portal Second Age. It looks
0: like. oh, okay. Cool. Well, hi all right. But
2: her her style is definitely pretty iconic.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 definitely memorable. She she
2: liked her eye patches, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, um, she and, did. yeah, and of course she loved like the larger version of the face in the background.
2: Yeah, it's uh, actually funny. The uh what is the there's one of the vampires in uh, Crimson Vow, the, the special Fang art version of it, where there's the face and then this person walking through a maze, and it really reminded me of Susan Van Camper. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
0: I do know the one you're talking about, yes. That's pretty funny.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll, also gotta love the uh, Ancient Runes art with the guy getting lasered in the butt.
0: Oh, yeah, that one's very good. <laughs> That's classic.
1: Yeah, they gave her another shot in Tempest, and
0: uh thought <laughs> <laughs> the bow was too much?
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, perhaps. Uh, okay, so <laughs> although on. to be fair,
2: her portal second age swamps are amazing. They are. They very are. Good.
0: They're yeah. very, very good. Yeah. So I guess, do we want to do like grade of the set? Do we want to talk about we? We kind of talked about weaknesses throughout the whole episode. So yeah. I think if we, I think it's fair to grade the set at this point. So, okay.
1: um, I guess uh, minute, I want to start d- it. Yeah. I just want to separate this out because I think there's two ways to grade it. One is just like pure card design. Uh, and that, and like the second thing I want to grade it on, which we'll go through after this is how well did this set achieve its goals? And in this case, the, the set's goal was to make a sequel to another set. Um, so just in like pure card design, I would oof, uh, I would grade this set um, probably like a it's hard not to like weight it, like grade it on a curve given like the technology at the time, but I'd say like by modern standards i I. B minus uh it did like interesting things. Like I think that the cumulative upkeep cards are more balanced in this set than they were in Ice Age.
2: Yeah.
1: Um and it's I, less
2: there, parasitic in that way as well.
1: Yeah, and there are like there's like, no
2: there's no snowfalls and stuff, right? Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Uh, and there are some like one of designs that are really just like interesting, like Ritual of the Machine, as you mentioned, um, Provençal Horror. Uh, there's just a lot going on. They did end up making some cards that were became very iconic. Uh, so, well, I'll say B minus.
0: Okay, a okay. little bit of a grade on
1: a curve, but
0: yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to not be as nice. I I think that this is a solid C and I don't think that's their fault. But sometimes you get screwed on the assignment and uh you got to turn it in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of cool cards, there's a lot of cool card designs. Um but there's also just a lot of like chaff or things that kind of are like um kind of grind under the gears as you're like reading through the set. Things are pretty complicated. Um So I I think Overall, like as much as I love the set, I'm, I'm I think it's just middle of the road. I don't think it's a terrible set. I don't think we're talking about a fallen empires here or something. But um, yeah, I this, do. This think, isn't
2: homelands. Let's be fair.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is not homelands. Um, but I, I don't think this is. Um, it's a one of the all timers. You know, I, th- I think it had some really cool cards. There's obviously cards that I still play with, but um, I think it's just kind of rough around the edges even by the well hmm, i don't know if i can say by the standards of the times i think that just looking back now and um, with the knowledge we have so take that how you will listener and also co-hosts <laughs> <laughs> because uh I, I i think this is a pretty as much as i love it and as much as i love like the art and the cool like things about the set i think it's a c uh charlotte I, what, what do you think about the design
2: I'm going to say that this is, I like it. I mean, it's hard to sort of, well, overall design, I mean, for the time, it was trying some interesting things. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on is there was this current of cards going through the set that had you, like, exile cards from the top of your library to do something. Oh,
0: yeah, that's mm-hmm. true, huh?
2: Um and they tried some interesting stuff with that but I think they uh, they definitely overcosted and underpowered those effects. Yeah. Um but I mean at least they were trying things, right? You know. Yeah. I I I would much rather that they try and come up short or go too far than just not try at all, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um it does feel like it was a little scattered, but I feel I like a lot of the individual designs. I feel like the the art design overall for like, I mean, sure. There's maybe some, you know, flavor stuff that wasn't great. Like with the gorillas that got definitely highly scaled down or whatever, but you know, what's there in the set is really beautiful. Like a lot of the, like, I want to know more about, you know, the gorilla culture, right? Yeah, Cause exactly. all of their art is really beautiful and stuff. Um, And so, I mean, I I feel like the art was very cohesive and definitely helped hold the set together pretty well. Uh, So just general design grade, I would probably give the set, uh, like, a C plus, B minus. Like, it's above average. I mean, I might even give it a B. Um, Probably not a B. Yeah, I'm probably giving it, like, a C plus, B minus.
0: You could give it a B. The thing, like, just because I'm down on it doesn't mean... I mean, for the time, it was definitely
2: a B, obviously, these days. Mm. it's. I mean, honestly, I feel like this is one of those sets where if they were, say, I feel like if they were, say, going in and making, like, an Ice Age remastered using cards out of Ice Age, Alliances, and Cold Snap, I feel like Alliances would more than pull its weight in that sort of set, Mm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. I got you. Um I feel like it's a solid set. I feel like it has some flaws, but its failings aren't awful, right? Like it's it has mm-hmm. no cards yeah. that are just really rough or really parasitic. It it you know, at at worst some of the cards are uninteresting, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's true.
2: Um yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it a B, you know, graded for the time um yeah sorry no, I was gonna go, move on to the next one as far as achieving the goals mm-hmm. of the set, it's hard to say because like it certainly feels like we're still in the same world as ice age. I mean, losing a lot of the snow stuff is mad, but I mean, on the other hand, you could also say that the ice age is sort of starting to recede a bit, so there being less snow stuff is, I guess, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, it's hard to say because like, you know, the Ice Age Age itself on the cards doesn't really have much of a cohesive story, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard to sort of tell. I still, I certainly feel like, again, like I was saying with the art and stuff, I feel like uh, Alliances is a more cohesive sort of flavor feel ice age was certainly so i mean i'd say i'd say it certainly uh achieved its goals you know being the first direct follow-on and still doing interesting things i mean it could have had a little more overlap but with ice age but again design philosophy at the time was saying to not do that so it's hard to say you know
0: yeah it's hard to yeah when you're kinda... But I
2: feel for, like, what it was and what they were trying and the fact that it wasn't necessarily 100% designed in-house and et cetera, it, it did a, a pretty good job. I'd, again, grade it, like, for being, like, the first actual, like, expansion to a set to another set, like, because Ice Age yeah. was the first, you know was the first sort of standalone set, right? Everything else had been an expansion before. Yeah, it was like a. Ice it it was, was like a new standalone and so as an expansion to that I feel like it plays a good trail. I wouldn't call it an A but I'd probably say it's like a B plus in that sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Like for yeah. a first effort, good job. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I, I am kind of with you on that. I think that given that it was the First time they ever did it Uh, they did pretty well it like has its own identity it like introduced a couple new mechanics while continuing uh, the ones from Ice Age and I think that I, I think that like it did a pretty good job of defining what a subsequent set or what a sequel set should be Um, you're, you're totally right that like, um, it did pretty well in following up on the, the tone and, and theme of ice age. Like we see a lot of like familiar names and places in this set and of course like mechanical similarities as well. And I I think, I think it's effective as a second set. So I would say it achieved its goals.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna echo that. I think that all things considered, um, they did a good job. Um Mechanical through lines were interesting in early magic, and I think there's more of that here than there like could have been. They could have been like, Oh, well, I don't know, here's one snow card, just kinda like there's one poison card in the set. <laughs> um so yeah, I think they accomplished their goal. Mm-hmm. I think that's a B. I, I would give it a B, you know? Yeah.
1: Uh, Alright, well, that brings us to the end of this retrospective. Uh, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us to go through yep. alliances together. Um, yeah,
2: anytime. The set that's near and dear to my heart, so always happy to talk about it. And...
0: Oh yeah, I'm always amazed at how many cards that I, like I said, still play with or like love dearly yeah. that came from this set. Mm-hmm.
2: Also, just as an aesthetic thing, I love the purple pin lines on the lands in this set,
1: oh, yeah. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of like how they did them in fifth edition, like the the like goldish background. Yeah. I really like that. Um, but they were definitely experimenting a lot with like how to do non-basic lands in around yeah. this time. Uh, but, Charlotte, I feel. Forget.
2: I feel in fifth edition, the white border with the gold pin line is a bit too much. I feel if it was the gold pin line with a black border, like they did in like Urza's Saga and stuff, that worked better. But yeah. Oh, yeah but yes. Anyway, sorry. We no, we, right. we 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 could probably have a whole separate episode on like card aesthetics. So.
0: Oh yeah. Oh definitely.
2: <laughs> Maybe we
1: should. At some point, yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. All right. well, Charlotte, if our readers... Or readers. or listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, where can they find you?
2: Uh, Best way to get in touch with me is on Twitter, which is at JackalGirl, which is JQLGirl. I am also on several fine magic discords, including the Commander Theory Discord, where you can find me also as JackalGirl. Those are the best ways to get in touch, and... Yeah, I also write for Commander's Herald, and you can find my writings there.
1: Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciated your your insight and input into uh, our retrospective on alliances. So we're, for our regular listeners out there, we're probably going to be doing these maybe a couple times a year. Uh, but if you like this format, if you are interested in seeing more retrospectives, let us know. And with that, I think we're going to, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you all for listening and have a good rest of your day. Bye.
0: Hello everyone. So as you could hear, we had a great time with Charlotte. Uh, thank you again, Charlotte for coming on to the show. Um, but there's other people who make this show possible and that is our patron. So if you'd like to join our patron, you can join us at patreoncom slash commander theory you can follow us on twitter at the same handle basically all that kind of stuff we have an affiliate link that for tcg player that i'll put in the, the show notes a bunch of cool stuff we have a youtube channel um but really it's it's these people i'm about to name off that make all this possible that make it possible for me to actually see nick uh, and steal his microphone at um at a big magic convention so um thank you for for getting through that we promise that the sound quality will increase next week so thank you to our patreon patrons gustav ryan addison rick Raphael, kyle laser charlotte the white clays hannah andy james logan roger evan bryce dylan benjamin jamie matthew jason kyle brandon kevin Kaidel, jeremy russell dylan john john micah troy roxanne brian charles daniel andrew leon jason paul johan and jonathan oh man you guys are so great thank you all for being supporters of the show for believing in us and uh we are excited to get to some more stuff for this new year we have a lot of stuff planned so talk to y'all later bye
1: if any of you theorists want to get in touch with us i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr and zach is at fat bartleby on twitter our theme song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check them out on soundcloud Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.